Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Boat Trader, America's largest boating marketplace, offering easy financing and over 100,000 boat listings to choose from. Sell, find, and finance new or used boats on America's largest boating marketplace. Visit BoatTrader.com to get started. All right. Well, Ryan Goodman, thanks for joining us real quickly on this little Monday episode. How are you doing, man? Hey, doing pretty good today. Enjoying uh, some sunny weather in Colorado. Jealous, jealous. It's hot weather down here in Florida. So I'm jealous of your Colorado weather. So, um, so yeah, you're kind of a beef expert. You've got a podcast, Beef Runner Podcast, which we'll talk about later. And we'll definitely have you on later on and kind of talk about that in depth. So I want to talk to you because I know there's like a lot of stuff going on right now with the, you know, with the ag industry right now and kind of COVID-19. So as somebody that knows beef, can you tell us what's going on and what kind of impact is COVID-19 having on the beef industry right now? Yeah, it has been crazy uh, for the last six or eight weeks. We've seen a ton of change and it's, you know, impacted the beef industry uh, definitely across the country, just as it has the entire economy and, and everybody in the U.S. And so, you know, we've seen a lot of disruptions, but I think working in the food world, one of the things that, that we've seen and had to deal a lot with is people are now shifting their eating patterns from eating at restaurants, food service meetings to buying almost all of our food and grocery stores. And so across the food chain, especially with beef, that's, that's had a huge impact, not only on supplies and distribution, but also in some cases, some prices and availability. Gotcha. Yeah. I mean, I've seen so much stuff about um, like farmers are having issues sending off their cattle to, to processing facilities. And I saw somebody, I forget who it was on Facebook, but they, they commented that there's a difference between a cattle sh shortage and a beef shortage. So what exactly does that mean? Right. Yeah. So we, we don't have a cattle shortage. There are plenty of cattle out there that are in the supply chain getting close and, and ready to harvest time. And so we don't have a, you know, an issue with cattle supply. We do have an issue with distribution of beef and that kind of comes at the point of being able to process and distribute the beef because, um, you know, a lot of people are taking a lot of different approaches to this, but what it comes down to is there are a lot of people that are involved in processing our beef and getting it to our grocery stores. And those people, just like you and I, um, have had to adhere to social distancing standards. And in a lot of cases, you know, they work in very close uh, quarters. And so they've had a lot of problems with illness um, with people that are involved in that, those portions of the supply chain. So that's really kind of slowed our ability to process beef and a lot of other proteins. And so that's where, you know, we're not, we don't have a shortage. It's, it's a slowdown in the processing and, and a problem with distribution in some places. Yeah, no, that totally makes sense. And I've seen there's, I mean, you've probably seen it too. There's now this huge plan by um, Elizabeth Warren and Cory Booker. And it's kind of to talk about um, like to decentralize where it's not like, you know, quote unquote, big ag, which is what we hear a lot. So do you think that's going to have an effect moving forward? Do you think we're going to have fewer large scale 
processing facilities and have more and more mom and pop shops locally, what do you think kind of impact that's going to have down the road if it passes later on? Yeah, I think there have been a lot of discussions uh, about our supply chain, maybe the structure and businesses that are involved. But I often view it as really unfortunate when people try to use this pandemic um, to drive political agendas. Um, you know, our primary concern is getting food to the grocery stores so people can have food, nutritious and healthy food on their plates. And cattle farmers and ranchers all across the country are, are working hard to make sure that we have that consistent supply available um, as we're able to process it. So, sure, when this pandemic is over and social distancing standards relax, I think that we can definitely look back and learn on these experiences and figure out how we can prevent them from happening again. Um, but I don't know, you know, I, I think right now is not the time to drive political agendas and make sweeping changes. I think right now is the time to do everything we can to keep the supply chain moving. I mean, I hate seeing things like this. I know that there's good intention behind it, but I mean, just to use this crazy time for political gain is a little little interesting, that's for sure. So um, I've seen your, your stuff on Facebook and just a lot of people on Facebook in general in the ag world, they're sharing a lot of misinformation out there. So or not, not sharing, but combating misinformation out there. So what's kind of the biggest misinformation you've seen out there about what is happening to beef during COVID-19? Yeah, I, um, I have the opportunity to work with farmers, ranchers, beef advocates all across the country. In fact, it's a network about 17,000. So I've been getting a ton of questions of, I've seen this information. How do I answer it? How do I share that information? I think a lot of it boils down to an understanding of how our food supply chain works. You know, Farmers, ranchers, and, and people all throughout the supply, supply chain, whether that be processors, distributors, grocers, retailers, um, we all have to work together and play a role in this, but not all of us have a good understanding of how the rest of the supply chain works. And so a lot of what I've been doing is helping to understand, um, helping people to understand how that supply chain works. Um, and then some of our ag economists at land-grant universities have been awesome voices. Um, folks like Daryl Pill at Oklahoma State University. I'm a little biased <laughs> being an Oklahoma State grad, um, but they've been doing awesome jobs. Uh, Jason Lusk, who used to be at Oklahoma State, now he's at uh, Purdue University, have done a good job at being able to write out in layman's terms of how this supply chain works. And there's a lot of information, a lot of theories. People, people are looking for someone to blame, right? The economy is hurting, especially in agriculture, um, but all across the board, it's hurting. So people are looking for for who do we blame for this? Who can we blame for a loss of money, um, losses, disruptions in the supply chain, loss of pro productivity and some of these things. And I think a lot of it comes down to an understanding of that. And our supply chain is, is built um, and structured very well for food safety and maintaining consistent supply in this country. And there's a lot of moving parts that go into that. And so we don't have a cattle shortage. Um, like some people have been asking, but one of those pinch points is that processing. So as I mentioned, you know, a lot of those employees have had to, um, you know, adhere to social distancing. They've had to go through a lot of measures for personal protective equipment. And a lot of those employees are getting sick um, because they are in those close quarters and a lot, a lot of other factors. And so that slowed the processing down, but also that huge shift that I had mentioned in how we were buying our food at restaurants, at food service for meetings, and all of that shifted almost overnight to grocery store demand. That's another, you know, kind of pinch point in that funnel where a warehouse for a grocery chain can only handle so much product, just like we saw a toilet paper shortage, 
right? Perceived yeah. shortage. Um, at the beginning of this thing, everybody wanted to stock up. Well, that warehouse can only process so many cases of toilet paper and that grocery store had only ordered so many cases of toilet paper weeks ahead of time. And so there's only so much milk, so much meat, so much toilet paper that comes on that delivery truck from the warehouse to the grocery store. And that's one of those things that just has to take time to work through. So one of the biggest things that we can do to prevent a shortage, you know, or not having some of that product available is not to buy in bulk more than we need right now. So there's only so many gallons of milk that can show up on that trunk. So where you see like a limit of a gallon of milk, a limit of one case of beef at the grocery store, that's not that we're out of beef. It's that, Hey, only so much came on this truck. So if everybody bought 15 packages, nobody could have any beef. And so if we limit it to one package or whatever that might be, that that's just ensuring that everybody that goes to the grocery store can at least get something that day. Yeah, no, that, that's a very good point. Cause I've seen like the limit one item of dairy or something and consumers think we have a dairy shortage, but then they see that dairy farmers are having to dump their milk. And it's because there's this whole food supply chain issue where they're having problems processing it and getting it delivered. So it's very interesting. It's a very weird time. Um, and kind of, talk, kind of talking about the weird time, do you think there are any benefits that might happen to the beef industry as a result of this? What are some bright spots that might come of it? Yeah, so if you go on Google Trends and look up searches for ground beef right now, there are historic highs, record-breaking number of searches for ground beef recipes. More people are cooking two to three meals at home every day for their entire family. And that has led to a lot of people you know, rediscovering cooking at home. You've seen all the stories about everybody's buying all the yeast in the grocery stores because now we're all baking bread, right? Um, and so a lot of people are, are rediscovering kind of being able to cook at home and, and some of the research that I've seen from, you know, supply chain, restaurant, retail partners, and some of those re industry research groups shows that, you know, the trend shows that we might continue cooking more at home um, even after this um, kind of blows over. And this summer, I think that's a great opportunity, you know, as weather heats up, I know in Florida, it's always warm, right? But here in Colorado, we you know, we're still getting freezing temperatures at night, but as things warm up, we're going to be pulling out the grills. And, and that's something that a convenient way that we can enjoy beef at home. And that's some of the trends that we're showing that, uh, that may be sticking with that. And a lot of restaurants, small restaurants, there's a lot of concern that they may not make it through um, this pandemic and these stay at home orders. Um, because, you know, as rent comes up for the lo their locations, if they don't have any income, they don't have the opportunity to do that. But also, you know, it takes a lot of cash capital um, to keep your ingredients for the restaurants and whatever that might be keep coming forward. So there's a lot of concern about them having enough cash on hand to just restart their business um, after this thing is over with. Yeah, I know a lot of local mom and pop restaurants are really hurting right now. And I really hope that they can survive because that's usually nine times out of 10, the best food you can get is from a mom and pop shop. And right. your first right. point, you're talking about that people are going to cook more, hopefully, and that beef, um, ground beef, um, sales or, or searches on Google kind of skyrocketed. My wife found an article like week four or five of quarantine or something. And the first, I think week three was yeast, like yeast sales went through the roof. And then the week after that, hair care products like hair dye, clippers and stuff went through the roof. So now it's beef's turn. So it's very interesting to see all the trends that are a result right now of COVID-19. Right. Yeah. It's very interesting. I know that, you know, myself, I've I've been traveling on a normal year. Last year, I traveled to 70, 70 meetings and presentations across the country. So I'm myself, I'm traveling, you know, three weeks out of the month and to be home for this six, seven week period is the longest that I've been home in years. And uh, so that's definitely, you know, 
people are going to, you know, not only look at cooking at home more, how can we spice some things up, do things differently because cooking the same dishes all the time gets pretty boring. But also I think this summer as things loosen up a little bit, people won't necessarily return to their skies for the summer vacation, but they may be driving um, within the state um, to look for some of those opportunities. So we'll see a lot more people looking for uh, road tripping opportunities and things like that. So it'll be interesting to see how things kind of open back up after this, but that's, that is definitely one thing is people are looking for um, new opportunities. So I encourage anybody out there that you know has a blog, has a social media presence to share some of those family recipes, things that you're cooking from the pantry, um, because look, people right now are looking for opportunities to kind of mix up the menu at home and, and do more with uh, you know the ingredients that they do have at their house, whether it be in the freezer or the pantry. Yeah, no, totally. That's a very good point. And I haven't thought about it, but people are going to want to travel and they might travel by, or like with their car. I mean, just travel throughout the state. So, I mean, it'd be kind of cool to kind of just travel around locally and see what goes on in your state as opposed to like across the country or something. So that's a very good point. Yeah, I think uh, state parks, uh, national parks will have a good opportunity to see a lot of visitors that maybe haven't visited them here lately. Um, and we'll see how that goes. But I know, you know, kind of bringing it back to the beef beef topic a little bit and, and kind of sharing a little bit of insight on that. Um, one of the, I guess, different interesting things for this is a lot of the time at restaurants, you see um, us going out and enjoy that steak and those prime cuts that are out there. You're seeing some more of those show up on grocery store shelves. And so I, for example, I went to Costco and shop, saw a lot of those middle meats, which can be those, those steaks. Um, those prime prime cuts that you might get at a restaurant, those were there in those big cryovac packages um, and were six, within $6 a pound in price. And so, you know, something that people might consider is going and, and buying some of those things in bulk and looking for the opportunity to freeze some of those things. So when you are at home, you've got a, you know, some beef in the freezer that's cut into steaks and you can enjoy maybe some different cuts there at a little bit more affordable price than what we might usually be able to in the restaurants. Yeah, you have more variety for what you can cook. And I mean, you have a larger selection, so that's pretty good. That's awesome. Well, Ryan, it was cool to kind of talk to an expert and see what's going on in the beef industry. I know you've got your podcast, Beef Runner, and I'm really excited to listen to it. Um, where can people go to check that out? Apple, iTunes, Spotify, everywhere else? Yeah, it's on all the uh, the streaming platforms where you get podcasts. So it's Beef Runner Podcast. And uh, currently right now I'm pa uh, pairing up with Dairy Carey and we're doing over beer uh, series. And so literally we're cracking open a beer and talking to some people. So recently we had a meat scientist on that was talking about how do you freeze that meat and ensure that that's going to be safe when you're cooking more meals at home. And we also recently talked to a registered dietitian out of New York City area just kind of how things were changing up there, but also um, trying to alleviate some of that guilt that the parents might have when they're trying to feed their kids or, or seeing a lot of these food trends that are out there. And so um, we're having uh, having some fun conversations over beer that way podcast talking about these food, cooking, agriculture, advocacy topics. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, I'll make sure people go listen to it. That's a really cool idea. Open it with a beer. I like that. I might have to borrow that down the road. That's really cool. Well, We'll have you on like full uh, for a full episode down the road, but thanks again for coming on, Ryan. Um, can't wait to listen to more of your episodes. Yeah, no, thanks. Appreciate it and enjoy the conversation. I'm always available. If anybody has any other questions, just look me up, Beef Runner, on any of your social media platforms. Deal. Yeah, we'll link everything in the description. So cool. Well, Ryan, enjoy Colorado, man. Uh, thanks. Will do.